time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program this hour is brought to you by The Willie's Store, your true value hardware store right there near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist with over 40 greenhouses in Colchester, Clausen's.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store with locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston, guysfarmandyard.com. By Grow Compost, compost, soils, mulches, and expert gardening advice right there on Route 2 in Moortown, growcompost.com. By PR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Wolcott. By Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more. And Taste of the North, online at tasteofthenorth.com, right on Route 302 in Barrie. By Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around on Main Street in Virgins. By our friends at Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and terrific selection. Jail Branch Greenhouse, Route 302 in Barrie. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more on Route 2 in Montpelier. Lines are open for your comments and questions for Peter Burke. Our local 802 number, 244-1777. Toll free, 877-291-8255. And of course, we stream worldwide on the web at WDEVradio.com. And here is your host, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hello. <laughs> well, what a beautiful day for gardening. I think so. <laughs> uh, you know, I... You, uh, I kind of like a, a cloudy morning and uh, to to plant my sets in, and and uh, uh, even though it's not sunny and warm out there, it's still perfect, perfect gardening weather. Looks like we're going to have some uh, uh, some sunny uh, some sun this afternoon, but it's interesting because I'm looking at the weather report for the the rest of the week and notice that the lows, nighttime lows, are still in the 40s. Is not until next week that we start to get in the 50s, and those nighttime temperatures are important for the heat-loving plants, and uh, it's important to kind of watch out for those uh, those nighttime temperatures as well. Um, there's so much to do in the garden right now. Oh my gosh, uh, you know, <laughs> planting, plant seeds, uh, preparing the soil. Uh, where do you start? Well. <laughs> Um, I got a, a very nice note here from uh, uh, John Taylor uh, in Montpelier, and he was, uh, I, I think what he was trying to say was that he uses a perimeter of, of onion plants to protect against uh, certain critters like um, 
um, uh, deer and raccoon and and uh, I think maybe people as well but I got the idea that the the perimeter of onions helps to keep some of the uh, the uh, the deer and the raccoon out and I've heard that before and and some people say that that that's one of their best preventatives out there and uh, that actually is a um, um, a, a a good introduction to what my theme is is right now is the the garden fortress more or less there are so many different elements the beasts the bugs and the blights <laughs> beats and beaks and bugs and blights oh my <laughs> hopefully no bears but uh, you never know oh well we've had bear this this uh, last year particularly we had a lot of bear um well our one particularly uh a destructive bear come in and and knock over a bunch of um, of our compost piles and and definitely uh, made a, a mess in the garden. And then there's uh, weeds and hot days and cold nights and wind and hail and, well, yikes. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of elements out there that, uh, that you have to protect. Um, and, uh, of course, like most things in life, the, one of the best uh, 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 preventions, uh, one of the best cures to all those problems is prevention. More or less, uh, seeing what those looking at all the different kinds of problems you can have, and um, you know, preparing for them. And uh, f for some of the big animals, you know, the deer come in and they'll nibble away at certain things. Uh, um, you know, the chipmunks will come along and and steal crops. Uh, you know, mice and moles will come along and eat up the, your veggies from the bottom up, and. Um, you know, there's just a lot of different elements there that, that will uh, will attack your garden. And so for years, we had a, a Sam, our dog, and she actually did a great job of keeping the bear and the deer out of the garden. She was uh, she was just about as, as good as you could, uh, could ever want. Now, uh, on the other hand, she would just lie there and watch the chipmunks go over and eat my... my uh, strawberries so she wasn't very good with the small <laughs> so <laughs> you might need two dogs <laughs> one for the little critters and one for the bigger critters but um, uh, that a lot of times can actually substitute for a good fence but if you don't have those two things then you've got to make a, uh, some sort of a good fencing um, most people recommend a, a six foot high fence around your garden or the, the area that you're trying to protect. And, um, you know, that's, that's quite an investment, but on the other hand, uh, you know, if you have problems with the, with the larger animals, uh, you, you're going to have to plan on doing something like that. And, um, of course, you know, the other critters like groundhogs, oh my gosh, uh, they'll level a whole crop of green beans in a blink of an eye. You can turn around and they're gone. You wonder what the heck, <laughs> where did they all go? And uh, so the same thing with uh, chipmunks. Uh, for for uh, one of the first times I grew strawberries, it was like you watch these strawberries and they're just about ripe, you know, and you're going out with a, with your bowl and in hand and your mouth is watering and, and you look down and you see the, that red strawberry is gone. <laughs> and I, I foolishly think, well, you know, how much can they eat? 
you know, I'm willing to share, right? Well, I learned very quickly that they are very greedy little buggers and they'll eat absolutely everything. <laughs> so you, you have to protect from them, uh, protect uh, from them. And, uh, you know, either a screening or a netting of some sort, you'll have to, um, short of, uh, of um, you know, uh, eliminating the chipmunks from, your, from the area. And uh, I know some people think that it is kind of harsh, and uh, I have tended just not to grow the strawberries, but they, they will continue to eat just about anything and everything. So you, you kind of have to work it back and forth a little bit there. The uh, mice and moles, uh, I think it's moles or voles. No, it's moles, not voles. Um, eating my, my carrots from the bottom up. And I remember the first year that happened to me, I pulled this carrot up and there was literally just an inch of stub. And then I, another year, I had three, uh, three beds of beets and the same thing I pulled up and it was like every other beet was eaten halfway up through. So somebody was very, very well fed. And uh, those are some of the disappointments. So you, you do have to prepare for them. And I know in, uh, in Elliot Coleman's uh, book, uh, uh, the Four Seasons Garden, uh, where he he uh, plants uh, almost everything in a in a, um, a hot house. He uh, had quite a problems with uh, moles, and and he made a little trap, and he found that uh, that strawberry bubble gum in the trap was the perfect bait for the moles. So <laughs> that's how he took care of them. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, birds generally are not too much of a problem, except with the berries. You know, I have seen occasionally where in particularly hot or dry weather, uh, a bird will, uh, you know, peck into it a ripe tomato and, and drink. But uh, mostly it's uh, the blueberries and blackberries and, and that kind of thing. And if you have a big problem, in which you can, um, you, you'll have to use a netting over your berries. So these are all things that sort of, uh, you know, you need to think about, you know, to protect your crops um, from the beasts. Uh, from the bugs, well, it's a, it's a slightly different problem, you know, and, uh, well, of course, you're, you're familiar with the, um, the, ca the uh, cabbage worm. I think you've told me a few times about your kids. <laughs> <laughs> they're yet to they're yet to eat a piece of broccoli out of my garden. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dad. But no, I don't think so. A little protein never hurt. Eat, eat your vegetables. <laughs> that's right. That's right. By golly, uh huh. And uh, so anyway, uh, that's uh, again. You you know you have to prepare yourself for the fact that there will be you know cabbage worms on you know the coal plants. Whether that's uh, um, you know, particularly the broccoli, but as well as the, the cabbages, um, Brussels sprouts, uh, kale, and collards, all of those will be attacked by the cabbage uh, worm. And what will tip you off, the way you protect is as soon as you see that first little white butterfly, and some of them are actually sort of light blue, but most of them are white. You see that little white uh, moth, you know, fluttering around. That's the time that you have to use your preventative measures. That's the time when you have to go get the sprayer and spray either uh, BT or the spinosad or any one of those. And, um, you know, fortunately we have good, uh, you know, um, preventatives like that that are approved for organic gardening. 
Um, uh, and if you don't like them, you can, of course, go and hand pick. Um, if you inspect the bottom of your leaves, you can you can see where the seeds uh, the seeds the um, the little uh, uh, you know where they've laid the eggs underneath the leaves. They're almost always underneath the leaves. You can turn them over and look for them and inspect them. And uh, so when you if you do spray, you want to spray both the tops and the bottoms so that um, you know, so you're spraying where the uh, where the eggs are laid and when the larvae first come out, they they get some of that you know, the the um, the BT that uh, the thergicide that actually uh, kills them. And you know that's uh, that's some of them that you will see uh, slugs. Uh, will uh, decimate a crop of new uh, cucumbers or lettuces in the very first week that you plant them. So you have to be careful. If you have slugs in your garden, you're going to have to get some of the sluggo and distribute it around those particular things, you know, like the like the cucumbers. They they just absolutely like the zucchini and cucumbers, and they will they will uh, eat them right up. It's it's amazing. You know you. Yeah, I, I've had some years where I've had to plant three times just to get my cucumbers in the ground. And uh, it seems to be a, a more problems with the sets than with the, the, the seeds that you plant, but it can be a problem either way. So that's uh, cutworms. I don't know if you've ever seen cutworms before, but uh, I've planted lettuce and, and uh, come back the next day and I just find the whole little plant just laid over. And then you go to the next one and that one's laid over. And you think, well, what the heck? <laughs> they just came along and lopped it off or what? But yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. The cutworm just wraps around the stem and, and cuts it off. One, one year... I anticipated this because I had a very bad year the previous year. So all my broccoli and all my cabbage, I made these little uh, the collars collar. from, and this is, of course, when I had the young daughters at home, so we had g gallon milk containers. So I just cut, the, I cut them into about three plastic rings, mm -hmm. each gallon milk mm -hmm. container. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I lined up bo all, both rows, both rows, 30-some-odd yep. plants yep. with the collars. And the next day, they were all there except one. <laughs> And I said, how did, how, well, apparently I trapped a cutworm within. Inside, yeah. Right. And he was right. sitting there fat yeah. and happy yeah. having toppled my broccoli. Well, and that's the, that's one of the tricks with the, with the cutworms is if you see you have an infestation or a problem, what you do is you take a pencil and you just sort of circle around and you'll find him and he'll come right out. And, you know, that little orange, uh, Orange colored worm will just come right out, and and you, you that is an important uh, a important point there is <laughs> to go ahead. Okay, I'm still getting used to the new phone systems, and yeah. I think we have a caller. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I do believe you're on the air with Peter Burke. I think you've got it. I'm, hey, this is Ted in Shelburne. Hey, Ted. And I just wanted to. I think I was totally absent from last week's program, but the week before, I remember Joe called about his asparagus. Yes. Disaster. Yep. And what I had learned way back from the owner's manual, I bought 500 crowns one time, <laughs> 600 foot row. Wow. And so I've lived some with it. And I did some spraying pre-harvest time in the first year or so. And then what I've heard that happens, I mean, some people just give up. Yep. And others have... And I think in the owner's manual that came with mine, it spoke about harvesting from underground, don't leave any stumps, <laughs> and uh, harvesting.
everything in the harvest period. And, you know, it's tough not to be kind to the little meek ones that come up, but they just give those creatures a place to lay eggs and make more generations. Oh, that's interesting. And so in that six to eight week harvest time, just have ground, have no asparagus for lunch or egg laying. And they will do some underground, and I don't understand the whole thing. The other thing I know of that the Pamacolas, who used to be at the farmer's market, the main asparagus suppliers, Mm -hmm. actually had a way to burn off the ferns at the end of the year after frost. Mm -hmm. And so, as I say, I don't know the academics of that, but I do indeed harvest underground, and Mm -hmm. I don't leave little ones up to feed the crop in that time. And I don't know if you, because I could never find a way to do the burning thing. Uh, But whether I was just thinking this morning, even if some kind of a flame weeding thing, I don't know where those eggs are, but if you, after you took your plants down in the fall, if you did a little somewhat serious flame treatment on the soil if That's it would right. take care of eggs. So as I say, I haven't done the academics, but that bit of experience might be useful to think about in the combat zone. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, and it, it, you said it was Ted, right? Your name is Ted? Okay, mm-hmm. and you were in Essex? I'm now in Shelburne. Shelburne, oh, okay. Yeah, the good old days was the southeast corner of Charlotte. Do you still have uh, 500 crowns of... I have a third of an acre with a short flat driveway now and a house built in the 60s Uh, and the front lawn is where the sun is allowed to Uh ground here Uh I have like an 8 foot circle and I haven't been out even to see I expect some of that row is still poking up despite some house building and so forth. Uh, I will bet. I would be willing to bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great information, Tim. I'm I really sure there's appreciate more on that. the internet, but as I say, well, I haven't been there. But but, well, but those two things of of not leaving anything out of I like that passion. Yep. Cut. And also, I'm willing to do a little respite with salt for weed control. I, uh, I we know. tried that, but I, di- I didn't really notice. I mean, it didn't harm the plants at all. That that much I know. And uh, from it when the weeds. Yeah, it does seem to harm the weeds. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I I think that the, your approach is is probably better is to go ahead and use the flamethrower if you have it uh, early in the season or late in the season probably after late, the crowns are. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I actually but, used to have a way. This was one long row, and I could with my little tractor and four foot wide harrow just right with the frosty ground and the so yep. on before emergence i would actually wheel harrow oh no kidding up, oh, stir yeah. up that soil i mean yeah. i had a your, management problem but your, I, your crowns are well below the two inches or so correct. that would yeah, yeah so uh-huh. i mean that's another thing is to stir it up well yep. in the spring at least yeah. yep. but those bugs persist like in this one i came when I was in Shelburne and put in my eight-foot circle of ten crowns or whatever, mm-hmm. like I think the first season they had found me and yeah. set up home. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying is uh, uh, is that you you do need to prepare yourself for three years of of regular sprays once you once they arrive because they they will stay and it's tough to get rid of them. Yeah. But so. Um, Ted, thanks. I appreciate okay, that. Okay, good. Well, I just want to throw that in. All right, I was great. Just visualizing what Joe was facing. And, yeah. And you, you could feel his pain. It would drop. <laughs> but. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. 
it's quite a job though that's why i call it the fortresses you know yeah. you have to have that kind of mentality where you you know that, that there are enemies approaching okay i gotta go, out and go to work and get some more tomato plants right, things in the well, ground thank thanks, you thanks for the call yeah well, our lines are open, and mm -hmm. uh, they are 244-1777, and toll-free, 877-291-8255. A pause right now for several of the fine sponsors that make this program possible. Is your pool open and ready? Hi, this is Tiffany from Menard Zagway. Bring us a water sample. We can test it here with our new HTHX Revolution Tester. Along with our new tester, we've got everything you need to get your pool party ready. Check out our greenhouses. They're full of veggies, flowers, shrubs, and trees. At family-owned and operated, Menard's Agway. Your yard, garden, and pet place. Open seven days a week. Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. And don't forget to refill that barbecue propane tank for just $12.99. Get a load of the racks at Linda's Apparel. A tradition of ladies' clothing continues in downtown Virgins at Linda's Apparel and Gifts. Spring is in full bloom with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around soft, eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential, graceful lines and functional comfort. Freshen up what's in your closet for the warmer days ahead at Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. Hi, this is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. I'm dreaming of peas and radishes, flowers, and fresh tomatoes. Spring has arrived and Grow Compost is here to nourish your organic garden. Pick some up or call to schedule a delivery today. Contact us to arrange food scrap pickup service for your business or organization. Find us on Route 2 in Moortown or contact us at growcompost.com. Grow Compost, exceptional local soil. It's in the garden with Peter Burke. And Peter, let me try... I'm one for one with the new phones. All right. And let's see if I'm two for two. Two for uh, two. Uh, okay. And uh, you're on the air with Peter Burke. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, um, I just have a quick question. Uh, I would like to be able to grow carrots uh, year-round, and I wondered if they will do all right in a greenhouse. Um, they'll do all right in a greenhouse. Um up let's see here now how to put this they won't actually grow after a certain point when you're when you get to uh, 10 hour days and and there's a very good book uh, the one i just actually was talking referring to was elliot coleman's uh, the uh, four seasons garden and and what you can do in the greenhouse is you can um, you can grow them to the point it's sometime in November where you get to a ten hour day. At that point, it's the it's not enough sunlight to continue growth in a sense. I see. But they will st if you use uh, the greenhouse and then put a hoop over the top of them. I assume this is not a heated greenhouse, right? Um, no. No, okay, so in, in an unheated greenhouse, you will need to protect them so they don't freeze. And uh, it, it works if you use a, a hoop over them, you know, with a yeah. reme or a fiber, fiberglass uh, uh, cover on them. And then, of course, the combination of that and the greenhouse will keep them, you know, in good shape and in a sense growing. Um, but they don't really put on much, uh, much uh, 
size on the on the carrot itself. So you okay, so but essentially you're saying that the the season is determined by the the amount of uh, sunlight. Sunlight, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have uh, when you get to eight, uh, eleven hours a day. Mm -hmm. So you have to plan that. Uh, by that time, when you're is by the end of November, you want all the growth that you want to keep. You know, the, you know. Well, so you, actually, you're gonna, I'll tell you what it's for. Uh, yeah. I have some horses. Yeah. I just wanted to have a supply of uh, carrots oh, well, uh, yep. as long as I can. That's a great way to store them. Uh, they, you will have to watch for the moles, of course, and uh, yeah. and for the chipmunks if you see any at all. And matter of fact, you should just probably set traps. Just as a matter of course, because yeah. they they will find them eventually. Maybe not this year, uh, but even in a greenhouse. Oh, absolutely! They figure that's the that's a that's a Ritz hotel right there. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and okay. uh, they so you know you need to prepare for that. Uh, that's okay, going to be so up to until about maybe October, November, mm -hmm. and when in the spring uh, would you be able to start uh, getting the growth again? Well, in, in that spring? green in that greenhouse, yeah. you can put them in in April easily. You start planting uh, seeds in in, in April, okay. but the the thing here is that what you want to do is you want to grow enough that you have a good store of of carrots to last you from you know november oh, december for, january right on through four or five months uh dormant season, right yeah yeah I, and I, that's uh and and for your your horses are, are going to be the happiest uh critters around because those those um those carrots are exceptionally sweet the cold <laughs> tend to sweeten them up and uh, so, that, and you you may find yourself uh, grabbing a few for yourself, All right. All right. <laughs> or the kids. Uh, let me ask you this: I take it that this is true with most other vegetables as well. In mm -hmm. other words, even in a green, even if you have a greenhouse, there are certain veg, uh, vegetables that won't grow mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. uh, once you get past the eleven hour a day. Yeah, yeah ten hour. Uh, yeah. Uh, sunlight. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because in that book, uh, Elliot Coleman points out something that I found was astonishing was that actually we're on the same uh, latitude um, as uh, the Riviera in the southern France. Oh. And the the main difference is is that they're they're of course uh, they're warmer, and the reason they can grow so well is that they have that length of day. Well, we have that same length of day. So he discovered that by having a combination of a greenhouse and a hoop house inside that, it warmed it enough that we had temperatures more like New Jersey inside that second oh. hoop. And so that was the sort of the genius of his system. And, and a lot of your, like Pete's Greens, uh, you know, a lot of your market gardeners are using his techniques today and with, okay. with great effect. So you can too. Uh, so uh, the... Is there an advantage of or uh, of uh, having a, a heating system in your greenhouse? No, not there really. No, no, not really. Um, it, it unless you're planning to grow something that, that requires more heat, like a you know, oh, would uh, you know, well, like tomatoes or peppers or something like that yeah. that needs yeah. that needs the heat, cucumbers or. Um, in that case, you would need to provide heat for those heat-loving plants, but that's sort of a, a zero-sum game where you're, you know, you're you're not really, you know, you're 
you're paying a lot of money to keep it warm enough to yeah. grow those things that, yeah. that you're, you're better not off getting, You're not getting your money's worth out yeah. of the heat. Now, what would you say your name was? I, I missed it. Al. Al? And where are you from, Al? I'm in uh, Hampton, New York. I'm across the border from uh, Fairhaven. Oh, cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I appreciate okay. that. And I love that uh, growing those the carrots year-round. Uh, you know, yeah, well, it, you can keep them. You can keep them year round. That's without a doubt. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Glad to, Al. Thanks for Bye. the call. The program is in the garden with Peter Burke. We will be back after we identify ourselves. You are listening to WDEV News Radio, a network of stations owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. Ninety-six point one WDEV FM, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243 AT Berry, 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, and online at WDEVradio.com. We sell quite a few of the breeds at the store when we have our chick days in the, in the spring. You put an order in, and you go pick them up. We've taken the grandchildren with us before to pick them out. We have about probably around 15 chickens. Me and my sister take care of all the animals. For introduction to dealing with a farm animal, chickens have got to be one of the best ways to go. They're actually very easy to take care of. Chick days have arrived, so print order forms online and bring them to any guy's farm and yard location, including our newest store in St. Albans. One uh, quick announcement. Uh, there had been some misunderstanding as to when the, Harvard, uh, the uh, Harwood U32 game will be played. It's 1 o'clock now. They should be getting underway now. Yes, it's a 1 o'clock start. Uh, Harwood uh, versus U32 in the uh, state quarterfinals at Harwood getting underway now at 1 o'clock. If you get there at 4, the game will be well over. But uh, we have a half hour more of In the Garden with Peter Burke. And once again, here's Peter. <laughs> hey, Joel. So uh, we have beasts and bugs and now blights. Um, let's see, I, I didn't actually finish with bugs, but uh, I, was, I was thinking of the one particular bug that I think is inspiration for horror movies is the horned tomato worm. Have you ever seen that in your garden? Absolutely. And that's like a four or five inch worm that's about as fat as, well, it's, it's thicker than your thumb and it literally has wor horns on it and it lifts its head up and you look at it and it's munching away at, at great speed at eating your tomato plants. It is the Godzilla of it, gardens. It is absolutely the Godzilla, as I said, inspiration for horror movies. <laughs> and unfortunately, they're pretty easy to take care of because they're so big, it's easy to pick them. But there is a, a if you look uh, online, you can see what the what the moth or the butterfly looks like. So you, if you see it, you know that you've got a problem and watch out for it. Once you see it, you pick them and toss them in the can and then you're all done, but it is worth watching for because they can decimate a crop pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> and, um, those are, uh, that's one of the things you have to prepare yourself for. Aphids is another problem uh, in the bug family. Uh, the Colorado potato beetle uh, can, can, uh, is pretty easy to control, and a lot of those things are easy to control. Asparagus beetle we've talked about quite a bit. Japanese beetles, um, pretty easy to take care of uh, with, the, with the traps and hand picking. Uh, I find that they come later in the season in July, end of July, where you have to put the traps out and, 
and uh, they absolutely love my my green beans, my pole beans, and and uh, surprisingly enough, my blueberries. They really like those, uh, and uh, whatever uh, roses that we have, they they I, like. Those I, I was surprised they like morning glories too. <laughs> Is that right? I did. I wasn't aware of I that. Had a steady crop of morning glories, <laughs> and last year they decided they would add them to their menu. Oh dear. <laughs> well. Uh, so we've got the beasts and the bugs, and then there's the blights, and of course a late blight is the the most destructive one, and that's uh, later on this season we'll start to the late blight watch to see when it comes in, and uh, like so many things, uh, if you look at a, a, a tomato plant in the in the the, uh, the catalogs, right, you'll see that uh, it's fusarian wilt and the uh, um, all the different blights and wilts that they've they've bred in resistance to, you realize that they're, well they're doing the very same thing with late blight because now there's two or three uh, different varieties that are late blight resistant. Uh, I've actually found that most of my uh, cherry tomatoes were very resistant to late blight. I've never had it on on any of my cherry tomatoes, so uh, that's of course a good thing. But the trouble with the cherry tomatoes is that if you don't have even watering, they burst on you. They do, yeah, yeah. That is uh, that's a Whole, whole nother problem. Yeah, that, 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 thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, th thanks. <laughs> the fortress is just getting bigger and bigger here. <laughs> yes, even watering is very important. And uh, it was interesting. Oh, was it just last week? Yeah, somebody was mentioning the uh, the blossom end rot. Um, and that's, uh, even though it's a calcium problem, the bigger part of that problem is uh, uneven watering. So that's an important aspect of of taking care of your garden you don't see fortunately anymore and i think it's because so many fewer people smoke but that tobacco mosaic virus, the tobacco mosaic they would the get one. in your garden and mm -hmm. hit every plant yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's right and uh like i said they they keep breeding you know hybrids that that are more resistant all the time in different varieties not always just hybrids but you know even even uh, standard varieties that are resistant so, you know, with the, uh, the, the blights and the wilts, the funguses, uh, the viruses, the bacteria, the mildews, all of those things, you know, uh, again, prevention is, is one of your best cures, is keeping the garden clean, keeping the, um, keeping your, the weeds down around the garden, and uh, um, keeping the, um, like, well, for the tomatoes, I, I'm, I'm fairly harsh when it comes to um, uh, pruning them, uh, you know, I I prune them from the bottom up uh, and uh, try to keep uh, about three or four uh, branches at the top. But uh, once they flower towards the bottom, I pull all I you know I clip all the leaves up to the flower, and then when the next one flowers, I take all those leaves, and when the next one flowers, I take all those leaves. So a lot of my tomato plants look just like a, a sort of a a bare green stem. And uh, that's the, the plant itself. And a lot of times people will confuse the plant actually cutting off circulation to the lower branches with a, with a blight or a disease. A lot of people mistake the fact that the plant itself is cutting off um, circulation to the lower branches uh, in order to, to um, you know, conserve its own strength. 
So, you know, you have to, you know, you don't want to confuse the fact that, you know, it's, it's a blight or an early blight when, in fact, the plant itself is just cutting off circulation and they're, they're turning brown and dying back. So, you know, the um, uh, prevention there is, is, a, is real important to, uh, to go ahead and prune your plants and keep good airflow in there and try to avoid all the different things. So one of the new ones, of course, is the midge. And, uh, and then there's the, the, um, the problem with, with the, your onions, you know, there's another one. And so the, the, one of the things that's being used a lot now is, of course, the hoop house with a, um, the, the fiberglass covering, the rime, or I think there's a couple other commercial names for it, but is known as rime for, for a good long time. And that's just a prevention, basically. And, but that, that actually requires you to wrap up the whole thing, front and back, you know, uh, top and front and back. So your hoop house is, uh, is, um, uh, is sort of enclosed, right? And I've just driving over uh, from Montpelier, Calais, uh, to here to Waterbury, I've noticed a number of different gardeners who are using the hoop house quite a bit, and they're using them as row covers, more or less. They're using them, you know, on a row that's maybe two or three feet wide, and you know, as sort of like a a tunnel. But um, that's that's one of the ways you can you can prevent some of the the bugs, the blights, the viruses, the mildews, and all those other things. And um, so we've we've got the the uh, the beasts, <laughs> the bugs, and the blights, <laughs> and then after that, well, there's the hot days and the cold nights. Those are problems, and of course, just plain old everyday weeds. And weeds, of course, the best description that I've ever heard of of a weed is simply a plant out of place. For instance, you know, you have your blackberries, and they're wonderful fruits, and we enjoy them, we love them. But if you're not careful, they can become a pernicious weed. Even even though you like your blackberries, you don't like your blackberry uh, uh, coming up in the middle of your garden bed. <laughs> so it becomes a weed. And the same thing with dill or claytonia, amaranth. A lot of the things that we that we like um, are also can be you know weeds, just simply plants out of place, plants that that are someplace where we don't want them. And, uh, oh, even like dandelions. Some people actually make dandelion wine. They cut the greens and eat them. Uh, lamb's quarters, same thing. is a common weed in the garden and uh, can easily be introduced into the garden with uh, untreated manure. Or, um, But on the other hand, uh, if you harvest it during the, the summer in the heat, which they don't seem to mind, they're, um, they're delicious. They're just like a spinach or something. So that weed is, is a, a plant out of place, which also can be a, a very good garden. Um, so again, the, the best protection for your weeds, of course, is the, um, the, the permanent pathway where you're actually making it very difficult for the weeds to, to grow. Now, uh, I know um, someone mentioned in one of the shows, well, uh, that the bark is a good place for the weeds to grow, and that's true. But what I found is, uh, as I was weeding through some of my uh, garden paths this uh, last week was 
was that they pull so easy when they're in that bark. They just the, the roots just come right up just with your hand. You're not you don't have to be there with the tool to come up. So it makes it a whole lot easier to get rid of the bugs, uh, the the weeds. I mean, <laughs> so um, we have. Uh, Oh, the hot days and the cold nights, and and this is an interesting thing that I learned from trying when I grew my the first time I grew uh, the tomatoes in the greenhouse. Uh, I didn't really have a good fruit set, and uh, the it turned out after a little research, I found out that after a certain temperature, you figure the warmer the better, but actually it, when it gets too hot, when it gets over eighty degrees in the greenhouse, the uh, tomatoes will tend not to set fruit uh, it's too hot which is hard to believe but um, and I found that uh, that I had to be more careful of, about keeping the you know opening it up during the day and making sure there's plenty of air circulation so it kept it cooler in a sense I wasn't capturing the heat of the Sun in that so it's it's easy to be too hot you know one of the one of the uh, uh, sort of a surprise is that it can be, even though it's a heat-loving plant, it can be hot, too hot. And the same respects, it can be too cold at night. And this was a, again a discovery that I that where I was having problems getting my peppers and my eggplants to fruit. They would actually I would see flowers. I know that there was good germination because I had lots of of um, uh, even honeybees and and uh, bumblebees and you know there was plenty of you know opportunities for uh, for them to be um, fertilized but the the fact was that the nighttime temperatures which is not infrequent here in Vermont can go down to 49 48 even 40 degrees and those heat lovers like the eggplants uh, the uh, peppers and the basil they don't tolerate they don't tolerate the cold night temperatures that well if it goes below 50 degrees at night that's when you don't get good fruit set your flowers don't set fruit so uh, you know what I do for that is uh, again the I go back to the hoop house with a single layer of plastic and that creates a like a mini climate you know, underneath the plastic and at nighttime the temperatures stay above 50 degrees it's a simple solution, but if you're having problems with those uh, particular heat-loving plants, um, look to the fact that your your nighttime temperatures might be too cold. We don't really think about, you know, 40 degrees as being cold, but to those plants it is. So um, with all of these uh, different things, well, of course, you've got uh, the wind and the rain and the hail. All those things can be can be uh, problems in the in the uh, the garden as well um, particularly the wind can be a problem for your sets and, uh, and and not so much for the for the mature plants but it can definitely uh, knock over your your sets pretty quickly pretty easily the rain of course will saturate your garden soil and um, of course hail um, <laughs> I know out when I lived out, uh, I grew up out in Ohio, and it's uh, you, you would have hail out there that was literally the size of golf balls, and uh, that would destroy a crop pretty quickly if you were unlucky. Fortunately, it usually just goes in like cells where, you know, a line of it will, will uh, uh, of, of hail will come down. 
and uh, only once did I ever have a, any hail damage uh, in my garden, so I've been lucky. But anyway, that's a that's another another one of the elements that um, that you have to watch out for. And uh, so you've got your ounce, your ounce of prevention is you know you you want a, a good size uh, fence or a dog or two. Um, you know the hoop houses, the netting, the screens, permanent beds is a is a good way to to uh, um, with that grid planting that that helps to uh, create a uh, uh, a natural shade mulch. And um, well, that's that's your uh, that would be your ounce of prevention there. Well, I think this would be a good opportunity yep. for us to uh, take a break for some of our fine sponsors. Mention the lines are open at 244-1777 or toll-free at 877-291-8255. We'll be back in just a moment. If you think about shopping where you can find everything you need, local foods, beers, wines and cheeses, local produce and breads and groceries, a full hardware department, clothing and footwear that are the best names and quality, the cheapest gas around, and housewares, think no further than the family-owned Willie's Store in downtown Greensboro. Willie's brand spices, meats and seafood, gardening and sugaring supplies. If Willie's doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. The Willie's Store across from Caspian Lake in Greensboro, like them on Facebook. Where do you find locally grown plants? At Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Buy six six-inch annuals for just $36, and all trees, shrubs, and blueberries are 20% off. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. And when you uh, stop in uh, places like Montpelier Agway and uh, and the Willie Store that sponsor uh, In the Garden with Peter Burke, uh, boy, it means a lot to us that you mentioned you were listening to the program. And uh, right now, once again, here's Peter. <laughs> and uh, in that same vein, it's on the um, on the website, uh, the Radio Vermont website. Uh, there is the podcast of the show. If you want to go back, you heard something, you want to go back and hear it. Or if, on the other hand, uh, you just can't be around on a Saturday afternoon, you can always go back and check, um, you know, like uh, I try to keep to a theme and I actually type out all of the, uh, all the things that we, we mention here. In this case, the, the Garden Fortress, um, all the different elements that uh, will come to <laughs> the attack and you try to find ways to prevent. But uh, that will be online, and it's both uh, the the audio of the actual show, and it's also the the written, you know, the typed out version of my monologue. I think we might have a caller on the line. Your Great. first name in town? Yeah, this is Bill, and I'm calling in from Worcester. Hey, Bill. I have a probably a pretty simple question here, but I was just curious about it. <laughs> it has to do with potatoes. Okay. And. Uh, what it is, uh, well, I don't plant many anymore, but I do like my own potatoes. Yep. But uh, when I stop in to buy the seed, now I, I always like the Kennebecs. I think they're a great mm -hmm. potato. Yep. I've tried Green Mountains in the past, but I seem to oftentimes have a blight with those more than I did the Kennebecs. 
However, one of the problems I have with the Kennebecs, like I stopped in to buy seed not too long ago, yeah. and it was at Agway, by the way, uh-huh. but the Kennebecs had sprouts that were three, four inches long or mm-hmm. longer. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually, I ended up buying some catedins. I decided to try them. They're good, yeah. And uh, they only had sprouts maybe a quarter of an inch at the Quarter moment. inch, yeah, I like yeah. that a little so bit. So my better. question is, when you break off those sprouts on the uh, Kennebecs, which you always do when you plant, yeah. no way around it. It's hard, yeah. Does, does that slow down or decrease the amount of potatoes you'd get? Not really. Um, and I do the same thing. I just find that they're they're weak. If if you try to plant them and, and baby them along, those are generally fairly weak. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as there are other eyes, you know, if there aren't eyes, uh, other eyes on the potatoes that are f- smaller, then you probably just want to stay away from them. I okay. You know, I would I would pick through a little bit and be a little. A, yeah, know. that's usually the case. Uh-huh. I've done, but <clears throat> it seems. I mean, I think it part of it is that probably the uh, Kennebecs are not quite as good keepers, so they do sprout quicker. Yeah. And. Uh, but I so I, I switch, but I'd like to go back to Kennebec another year. But should I just take those eyes right off those sprouts? I should. Yeah, say. the long ones, like you say, they're four yeah. inches. I, I I just take them off myself. Yeah. As long as I have other eyes in there, because. Yeah. I, okay, I understand that. Yeah. Sure. So those sprouts won't don't actually re-sprout again then. Uh, they may, they may f- sprout, but I don't like to depend on them. Okay. So you know you can get some some sprouting out of those old old spots, but I'd I'd like to depend on them. Now some people like to actually cut their pieces and let them green up in the sun a little bit before they put them in. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and that's uh, I mean it's an old technique where um, a lot of farmers would do that. They would actually cut them, set them out on trays, and uh, in not in direct sun, but not okay. direct sun, but like. indirect sun. Let them go ahead and green up a little bit before oh. they actually. I'll put them in the ground. Yeah, I'd never heard of that before, but that sounds like a a good solution to get them to sprout just a little bit quicker. Yeah. Well, and the and the the sprout then is is a little uh, what do you say hardier, you know, because it's greened up. All right. So you can uh, you can give that a try on those ones that you're you're just getting. All right. Very good. So how many potatoes do you usually grow? What's that? How many potatoes do you Oh, I don't. Grow? I used to, when I had a family, I, I, we just for myself. Yeah. But now, I basically, I'm alone, so I don't plant very many. Yeah. But uh, I think last year, I put in 10 pounds. But I didn't oh. have much luck last year because it's so wet. Yeah. Most all of them rotted. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, my garden is quite low down and uh-huh. it's quite wet anyway. Uh-huh. And actually, when I planted them, I actually <laughs> basically planted them on top. I made hills and planted, planted them on top, top of the hills. Yep. Yeah, but that didn't seem to work either. It's just cold. It, well, my timing was very poor on it. Uh-huh. So, so anyway, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the information. Another sure. time, I'll try uh, uh, green them up a little bit ahead of time. Yeah, give that a try. Indirect okay. sunlight. Uh, you know, if you have a porch or something, you can put them on. They'll they'll green up nice and sure. And uh, it'll give you a little bit of a head start and might help out with that. Uh, it being a little too wet. If your soil is real wet, you can you can uh, go ahead and put a little peat moss in there and even vermiculite, and that'll help to uh, absorb a lot of that the moisture. I see. Yeah. Okay. This year it's very good. Yeah. I, you know when I <laughs> I did it, the soils was in good condition. I put them in here 
Oh, I don't know, four or five days ago, I guess. Yeah, that seems perfect. And uh, the weather's been nice and warm since, so I think they'll do Good. fine. Perfect gardening weather. But for I sure. was wondering about the sprouting situation. That, yeah. Every year I wonder about that. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> you hate to be the one who's picking through the, the potatoes looking for the good ones. <laughs> right. Uh, leave the bad ones for someone else. You hate to do that. But, but no, uh, yeah, you can break those right off if you get them. All right. Thank you very much. Sure thing. All right. Have a nice day. Bye bye. Yeah, you too. Thanks for the call. All right. Well, um, yeah, this is the time of year when everything can go in the garden. Um, you know, it's, it's when you want to plant your sets, your your tomatoes, your peppers, you know, all of those things. Hopefully you have your onions and most of your coal plants already in the ground. Um, you should be harvesting your first round of lettuces. And, uh, and this is uh, when, uh, you know, when it starts to get flush with all kinds of great stuff. Um, you know, when you plant your sets, uh, this is, a, well, in my, in my opinion, this is more like Memorial Day than last weekend. Last weekend, I thought it was a little cold still. But um, this is time, and I think uh, there's still a plant sale on for, for this weekend as well. And um, so you can, uh, you can get your sets, uh, all of the, the heat-loving. Actually, there's nothing that can't go in now. We're not going to have any more frost, hopefully. It doesn't look like it in the forecast, that's for sure. And um, so you've got, uh, let's see, what else we're going to plant? Well, all of the, um, well, yeah, the tomatoes. My my uh, boss gave me a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, pepper plants. And uh, they're beautiful pepper. I mean, my gosh, they're, they're probably good. 12, 18 inches tall, and some of them, and some of them are even flowered, and the, the fruit is set. A general rule of thumb, people will say that uh, you pick off those flowers with the fruits on them, to uh, so that the the plants have, uh, um, you know, put put their their energy into roots and rooting out. But I find that I can I can do all of them, but I have to leave one just just you know so that i have that one pepper on there that or the one tomato but the general rule is that yeah you want to you want to go ahead and and cut those fruits off or flowers off that you have when you when you set them set them in the ground to transplant well i think we have a caller on the line okay your first name in town rich from starksboro hey rich thanks hey peter how are you oh good thanks how about yourself Good. Yep. What are you up to about, today? Well, uh, we did quite a lot of planning this morning. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're still saving space for replanting to get more extended season, I guess. Yeah, yep. Um, uh, what, what, I, I was going to talk to you about um, those cabbage rooms on the kale and the collar, but yep. you got me thinking. Um, you, you mentioned that you water every day and and I've got um, my last year's uh, growing material in my beds. Yep. And on top of that, I put a, a 15 gallons of perfect soil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so it's about, I don't know, two inches deep maybe yep. or so. Yep. And I water the daylights out of it. And you go, you kind of dig it up, and there's only like a half an inch of wet, wet material, and it's dry underneath. Oh, yeah. You must have to water for five hours, I think. 
Well, it, particularly if you're if you're putting the the new stuff on that perfect soil, that has to be it, that will absorb a fair a lot of water to start with. Um, yeah. And uh, you can you just have to stay at it until you you know for sure that it's completely uh, moist uh, top to bottom. That's that's yeah. in the initial um, in the initial and 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 that's one of the reasons that that I emphasize. Um, with the watering, you want to make sure you go down a little bit to see how how well the water's penetrating, because you 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 know you might need more water. It you can't really tell just by what's on the surface. So even if you have like a hard rain, you know those summer uh, rainstorms that we get, a lot of times there you can completely discount those as 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 useful for water. You know they're they're not really going to penetrate the soil enough to make a difference. Yeah. And um, so, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, so what, I think what you're saying the, the perfect soil needs a really big time initial soaking to get it that's right yeah yeah okay then once you've got it then you don't have to stand there so long no watering it no that's right yeah to i mean the peat moss is fairly dry when it comes out of the bale and the vermiculite of course you know it has no water in it otherwise the that four cubic feet of vermiculite would be about 300 pounds (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. yeah, when you first start out, you you water a fair amount, uh, and you you do you have to sort of um, you know mix it like a like in a just with a rake or a shovel or just turn it over and see how deep it has uh, penetrated, because it'll absorb a huge amount of water for sure yeah. to start with. Okay, and, and um, you're talking about the. Uh, um, Cabbage worms on collard and kale. Yeah, I've got collard and kale. We got pretty badly hit last year. Yep, and we've never really got into or under management. We put that dust stuff on. Yeah, um, I don't know if we we're getting enough on, but whatever. But uh, this what? year, I was in, early in the spring, I was talking to a couple of people, and they say you can use this uh, really thin, thin white fabric. They got some versions of it. It's, it's so thin and so light that you can just lay it right on your plants and they'll just grow up and rise up and just lift it up. Is that do you well that's a, that's that? a, that the Reme cloth that I was talking about, like I said, that's a that's a commercial name. Reme was one of the first it's a spun fiberglass uh sheet. And um yeah that that works real well. Uh, but you do have to remember that as soon as you see those those um, those moths, um, the white moths in your garden, they have already started to lay eggs. So what you don't want to do is put the reme on after you see those those uh, things without spraying. You want to make sure you spray. Um, there, you know, there are the reme cloth also helps with uh, with some of the other new, newer diseases that we have with the cold plants. So, you know, it could be well worth it to to make sure all of your brassica are under those. But if if you don't have the 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 inclination to do that, I'm not so sure about um, of just laying it on the plants. I, I've never done that. I I actually haven't seen anybody do that but um you know it's a possibility there's the plants are certainly strong enough to 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 um to grow and hold those up if you're talking about broccolis and cabbages and all those other things 
but um, you would have to make sure it was well tucked in around the edges and all over, all around. I I prefer the hoop house myself because it's easier to tuck them in, and then I use a um, you know a bungee cord around the bottom to hold them in tight uh, along along the bottom edge. But you still have to, no matter what, you do have to peek in there and check to make sure you don't have, uh, uh, you know, the problems like aphids or, or the, um, um, well, that type of thing anyway, in, in there already. And the, some of that stuff actually comes right out of the, the ground. So you will still need to check on your plants. Um, I find that, it, again, once you see those white uh, moths, uh, to go ahead and spray with either the thergicide, the the BT, or the spinosad, um, and also the neem oil. Any any one of those three will work to to uh, kill the the larvae of the um, and the and the mature cabbage worm as well. All spray the soil. Nope, I spray, spray the plant top and bottom. Make sure that you use a fine mist. Uh, you know, I'm. I've just got a, I've had a sprayer for years and years, and it just seems to last, um, I think it was like 15 bucks when I bought it. It's, it's a, just a hard plastic sprayer, and it's easy to mix up. It's a gallon, and that'll usually do quite a bit. Uh, that'll cover quite a few plants. So it's a pump sprayer. It's a pump sprayer, yeah, yeah. Real simple, real simple thing, and, um, you know, it's uh, not a lot of moving parts there. <laughs> just my kind of tool. Um and, and I, I've, so far, that's been a good preventative for those uh, for the cabbage worm. Um, but like, uh, like I say, you want to make sure you get right in there as soon as you see those first uh, little uh, uh, moths, the white moths. So wait, oh, as soon as you see the moths. Okay, as soon as you see a, those moths, you know that they're laying eggs. They're about an inch and a half across. Yeah, yeah, they they, they sort of flutter around and they they're kind of cute little things and stuff. And in the meantime. In the meantime, they're little fiends, yes. I remember uh, my my wife, well, the first time we, we did the, did forgot to or didn't do those things, and the number of little green worms, I mean, it was like, so there were hundreds of them, you know. <laughs> it's uh, very disconcerting to see that on your yeah. dinner plate, for sure. Yeah. I, I heard you talk about a fiberglass. Well, I guess I didn't have the context. Yeah. Yep. Listen to your mm -hmm. one or two weeks past. And, yeah. And, you know, of course, I hear it live, but yeah, uh, I don't know if your listeners are have find it the same way I do. But I found that I picked up about fifty percent more of just going back and listen to it again. <laughs> You know, so. yeah. yeah, well, I have to go listen to this one again, too. There you go, yeah. Well, the, the fiberglass cloth, like I said, it's been called Rime, and, and there's a there's a, a bunch of uh, commercial varieties now, and it's the same thing. Agro, Agrabond. There you go. Agrabond is the other one. Uh, that's the one I, I've gotten from uh, Johnny's. Uh, and uh, now the thing to remember is that there are different weights. There are some that are actually heavier weight to actually... Um, uh, to cover for frost for for an early light frost well actually so you want for the bugs you really just want the lightest variety as just a, a barrier you don't want to actually keep heat inside of it and um, the hoop house that, that I mentioned and and there's a couple of different varieties of these hoop houses that that you can use you know depending on their row size or your bed size 
um, you know, a simple row cover is, goes over, um, I think, about a two-foot row, and it has little, the little metal hoops that you just stick in the ground, you know, every uh, four or five feet, and it's just laid out over, and at the very ends, it's sort of bunched together, and they usually weight them with a rock or a, a sandbag or something like that. So that, that kind of keeps it tight over the top of the hoops. I've never actually liked those particular things because those metal hoops tend to sort of you know, go sideways, and the next thing you know, it's laying down on the ground, and, you know, do you want to pick it up? Will the plant grow with it, you know, on top of it, or will it grow as well? It will create other problems. So I like the the hoop house that that I've explained before. Do you, I don't know if you recall how that works, but it's... um. Yep. It's actually uh, the, the two plastic tubes, you know, three-quarter inch plastic uh, PVC pipe and uh, then I put the fencing right over the top of that with a couple of plastic ties uh, three on each side and that thing is just as solid as a rock you can I use that both for the plastic that I use for the mini climate to keep it a little warmer and then I use it for the remy cloth to to wrap it up because you can it's easy to wrap up all the way around um, so those are you know some of the some are making the fortress Okay, well, short of digging thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Peter. And yeah, I, uh, yeah, sure. Look forward to hearing your show again next. Week. All right, Rich, I, I sure appreciate your call. Good here. Now, and uh, there was something that you said, Rich, about watering every day, and and I just wanted to make sure that you understood that that was that was for when you're doing your sets. You know, okay. uh, that's okay. that the, the every day is important for your sets. Um, after your sets are, are, you know, are in good shape and, you know, are putting on new leaves and stuff. Well, at that point, you want to do it. At, you want to water at least once a week. And in the, the July and August, when it's really hot, you want to go twice a week. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Thanks yeah. for clarifying that. Sure. All right, buddy. Thank you. Well, we reach uh, close to the end of the program. But, oh, come on. But let us uh, let us uh, find time for Don in Northfield. How about okay. that, Peter? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're on with uh, Peter. Hello, Peter. Hey, Don. How's it going, buddy? Well, I'll give you my cure for slugs. Oh, okay, great. And the answer seems to be that eggshells don't decompose very well in my compost bins. Yep, yep, I would agree. And so what I do is take the eggshells sometime when I can get the windows open and put them in the oven at 500 degrees. Okay. When they come out, I crush them. Okay. And around the base of the cabbage and yeah, broccoli. Yeah, yeah. I put about a four-inch circle of those guys all the way around. Okay. Okay? Sure. And that seems to cure the slug problem. Okay. And this is of the crushed uh, the crushed, uh, the crushed eggshells. The crushed, burned, <laughs> okay, almost burned <laughs> eggshells. Okay, great, great. And that gets rid of the eggshells and they're in the garden 
All right, that's great. And of course, you're feeding calcium to your garden at the same time. Well, <laughs> you know, that's next year or the year next after. Next year, yeah, or the year after, yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, and and you're so right. The eggshells don't really decompose very quickly in the in the compost bin. No, not mine anyway. No, not mine either. Well, it's kind of like the... I'm a believer in row covers on yeah? cabbage and broccoli. How do you do yours? I've got these wire hoops. Okay, yep. And uh, my fabric is um, white cloth. Yep. And... We stretch the fabric over the top of it when it's not mm -hmm. too windy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the hoops stay in the ground. Good. And I haven't had any trouble with them rolling over oh, because good. we set them pretty well. Yep. And then stretch the fabric over them. And then I've got a whole bunch of bricks left over, and we brick the ends of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Brick yep. the ends of them. So how wide is your row that you're covering? Is it, uh, you know, maybe it's a two feet wide or? Oh, it's a four foot. Oh, okay. Yep. And, uh, uh. Well, there are times that I'll plant something like cabbage in maybe three, three and a half feet and use the edge one time to plant radishes or carrots. Uh-huh, yeah. Yep, and so you cover those right along with the with the cabbage oh, and stuff. Oh, I don't cover those. No, you don't. Okay. Anchor, anchor, maybe, maybe the plants, all the plants are in the three feet from one edge. Oh, okay, great. So well, that's I'll anchor behind the radishes and the mm -hmm. carrots, mm -hmm. and that seems to work. That's great. Good to hear. Um, the, so you're uh, you're using the Reme cloth to, instead of like a spray, a BT spray, or not using a spray. Okay, yeah, great. I do use on the asparagus if I start seeing signs of whatever the asparagus beetle is, then I get out some. I think it's called Captain Black. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the dead bug. <laughs> and it to work and I certainly believe in cutting them the asparagus spears off below the ground oh yeah good good so, yeah. but by and large no I just use the row covers mm -hmm. and that seems to stop the cabbage moths okay so these must be what maybe 24 inches high or or maybe less than that how high is are your row covers um, they're probably 18 to 20 mm -hmm. okay. inches high yeah. in the middle, Yep. and they tapered down to the sides, but they yeah. curved down to the sides because of the metal hoop. The, the metal hoop, yeah. Okay, great. And those, that seems to work for me. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and that, that saves you having to spray as well. Yeah. And that sounds like what Rich was, was trying to do as well. And, you know, I haven't done it yet this year, but I'm, that's 
number one job on the list. <laughs> well, I, I think you got a week or so. Other guests here, yeah. and uh, we get all done. We, yeah. you know, planted all the rest of planted the garden essentially. Yeah. Well, I haven't put carrots in, but got oh, yeah. radishes in, etc. Good, good. Sounds great. Sounds like you have a good garden. Well, you know, with something like 0.38 acres of land total, including that what the house sits on, yeah, I haven't got a lot of room to to deal with. Uh, that seems like plenty of room to me. <laughs> I can't imagine. I figure about an acre of, of would be about as much as I could ever take care of, and even at that, I think that I only plant about an eighth of an acre right now. So, I certainly use netting on yeah. the blueberries. Oh yeah, because your bir the birds will come in and get them. Yeah, occasionally huh. we get a robin in underneath. Yeah, about I know. half the time we save it, and about half the time it ends up in the compost bin. Yeah, I know, I know. What about the chipmunks? Do they come in and get your uh, blueberries at all? Or haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do have something, and I, it's not an aphid, but something that gets in on the strawberries. Oh, really? And. It's an immature guy that also in a, like to chew on wood or, rot, or rotting wood. Really? And he, they get in there and chew on the strawberries. I'll be darned. I wonder if they come in with the straw. I don't put straw on. Oh, you don't? Oh. No, they seem to live there, and I have, you know, I can't rotate crops. No. Strawberries or asparagus, but yeah. they seem to show up periodically uh -huh. and it's the immature guys and I can't think of the name of them mm, like an aphid is that what you're talking about uh, it's not an aphid no it's oh god uh, what does it look like is it is a is it beetle or is it a just a little bug or I think is it a worm worm type guy huh I wonder what that is well you could try uh, the neem oil um, on those just to see if that wouldn't uh, set them back a little bit if you find you're having a problem with them well we have had a problem for a while yeah and then after a while the immature guys mm -hmm. mature yeah. and leave the strawberries alone <laughs> well you know it's like flea beetles uh, flea beetles can can make your plant look terrible but in the long run they they don't do a whole lot of damage well, you know, these guys do a lot of damage on do. the early strawberries. Uh-huh, okay. All right, well, you might just try to spray a neem oil and see if that wouldn't set them back enough to... Well, I'll go see if that will work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Don, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, happy gardening. Happy gardening. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to... No, it's all right. Okay, I'm... Uh... Uh, I went to. You've cut me off. Is that what you've done? No, not well. We, we're a little, we're a little over time, but that's I guess never we a problem. are. I can't believe it. I, I know time goes by. Uh, it's a, I did, I did check uh, the Cornell site. Yes. So I am not, I am not uh, this uh, encyclopedic in my knowledge. Yes. And my garden is, is living proof of that. Uh, it could be the larva of the spotted wing drusphila.
Oh, for heaven's sakes. That's what, that, that, and that's a worm that seems to like strawberries. Rhymes with Godzilla. D-R-O-S-P-H-I-L-A. The larva of, uh, of the spotted wing. So if you see any spotted wing things flying around, it's their larva. So, uh, well, possibly, possibly. At any rate, um, Peter does have final words, and we have our final sponsors, the folks uh, where I was uh, yesterday, just uh, getting all the uh, pepper plants I need to put into my garden. Uh, Clausen's, right here, right there in Colchester, just down the road from yours truly. That's Clausen's right. is celebrating spring with Clausen-grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, and herbs. At Clausen's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts, and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full service flower shop. Print out your weekly coupons from Clausen's online at Clausen's.com. Spring is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think spring. Think Clausen's. PNR Lumber Route 15 Walker has a good supply of cedar lumber for your spring and summer projects. We have pre-constructed cedar raised garden beds in stock for spring planting season. PNR Lumber has bark mulch by the yard. We stock rough and plain lumber in spruce, hemlock, tamarack, pine, and cedar. PNR Lumber Route 15 Walker, 472-6636. Monday through Friday, 7 to 4:30. Saturdays, 8 to noon. That's PNR Lumber, 472-6636. Like us on Facebook too. And to complete the story, uh, spotted wing drosophila larva don't like spinosad, and uh, we we always mm. have that on hand for a number of purposes, mm-hmm. don't we? That's yeah. right. That's the the dead bug, the right. Captain Jack's dead bug. Indeed. Um, yeah. So uh, the the fortress that uh, all the different bugs and and stuff that uh, prevention is still the best cure. So. You know, try to prevent those diseases as much as possible. And um, uh, again, if you are in one of our sponsors' uh, uh, store, please let them know that you appreciate uh, appreciate their sponsorship. And uh, we've managed to run over in not just one hour, but one hour and 15 minutes. This uh, went uh, as so fast, I can hardly believe it. It is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. That is the fastest hour on earth. All right. Well, thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. By inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Pulling weeds. Yes, indeed, our program in the garden with uh, Peter Burke uh, brought to you by the Willie's Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. Lots of garden stuff, too. In fact, lots of everything. 
and uh, Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm. What a busy place, let me tell you. Your full-service florist with over 40 greenhouses in Colchester. Annuals, perennials, and those Monday coupons. Get them at uh, Clausen's.com. Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. And when you know what that means, that means there's a guy's farm and yard near you. Grow compost just down the road in Moortown. Yeah, Waterbury slash Moortown. Compost soils, mulches, and lots of great things. Take a look at their garden, and you'll see what a uh, good mulch will, uh, what a good uh, compost will do for you. Route two, uh, growcompost.com. PNR Lumber, your local complete lumber store on Route 15 in Walkers. Need that cedar for the raised beds? PNR Lumber, the place. Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more. Route 302 in Barry. And while you're there, Taste of the North. Oh, what a great place. Online at tasteofthenorth.com. By Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. They're in Virgins on Main Street. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annuals, soils on Route 302 in Barry, And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds and a whole lot more, Route 2 in Montpelier. Be sure to join us again next week for In the Garden with Peter Burke. This is WDEV FM and AM.